welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. How are we? Are we good? Blessed. It's awesome. The, uh, it's great. And welcome, welcome to people online who are watching. Uh, our family in America, Tom and Nineveh, out there, and uh, people in Bowie and all over the place. And it's great that you're here. You enjoying yourself so far this morning? Yeah. <laughs> good. I'm a wee bit croaky, so I think somebody's going to get me some water. And, <clears throat> but it's. <clears throat> Can anyone hear a bell ringing? That's okay, because no, sometimes like, you hear things in your head. Do you know that? And you go, like voices and all, is, or is that just me? You know what I mean? And then sometimes it's hard to distinguish between like, was that, was that like a real voice or is that just my wee friend that I talked to? I'm only joking. Thank you so much. I, um, it's great to be here. What do you do? Uh, we're, we're continuing, nearly finishing our series in Acts, aren't we? Is this the last week? Listen, can I just say before I say anything else, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, Ray Bevan is going to be here, Pastor Ray, okay, so that's going to be awesome, it's going to be fun, and so uh, it's a bit of a lastminute.com, uh, he had said about coming earlier on in the summer, and we were like, uh, it wouldn't really work because we weren't here, uh, but he's mad keen to come over, and so I think that's going to be really special, you know, I, I, I kind of go, you know, when, you know, Sometimes you just get a, a sense, don't you, a feeling about something to go, there's something in this race going, no, I need to come to Belfast and I need to speak and I need to meet with your people. And I think that's really important uh, because Ray has a really, you know, apart from being an outstanding teacher of God's grace, he has a, a, a brilliantly sharp prophetic edge to him. And so I'm really excited about that. But here's the thing, let's pack the place out, all right? And bring people, invite people, get them along. I have no clue what we're doing. Is it Sunday morning, Sunday evening? Who knows? We'll figure it out. But you know, it's two weeks from now anyway, right? How good am I at announcements? Just, we don't know what's happening. It's just two weeks away. Brilliant. There we go. So what do you do when you find yourself, what do you do when you find yourself in a place that you don't want to be? Have you ever found that? Ever found yourself in a place where you go, I really would rather not be here? Oh yeah. Is anyone in a place right now in some part of your life where you go, like right now, steady, steady, right? Where you go, Uh, yeah, I'd rather be anywhere but here, Andrew, frankly. Um, yeah, but you know that, don't you, in life? Life, life. I don't know, listen here. The, uh, do you know, for those of you online, oh, you can see, actually. I got up early this morning to walk the dog, and I, th- I was walking along thinking, it's very close, isn't it? Anyone think it's very close this morning? Powerful close. And people online going, what the heck are they talking about? Powerful close. Powerful. And, uh, or wild close, that's another one. Jeez, wild close. And... Uh, if you don't know what that means, if you're from like our South African friends, probably going, what the heck? It just means it's very clammy, very sticky, right? And so I just thought to myself, do you know what? It's just funny, I'll tell you the truth. I thought, I'm going to put shorts on. And I originally put on a pink pair. <laughs> Woohoo! Well, they're more salmon than pink, you know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I put them on, and uh, I was like, that's a bridge too far. That is just, there's no way. I'll get laughed out of the place is what I thought. <laughs> Salmon pig, like Gok Wan here, do you know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny, we were in the car. Hope came down early with, with her mummy. And uh, so Sophie was, Sophie was doing Joe Wicks this morning. She likes her Joe Wicks. She was running late, couldn't get up, was doing Joe Wicks. So I had to bring her down later. And we're in the car and she, she looked at me and she went, Daddy, you're wearing shorts. And I went, I know I am. She says, does mummy know? 
<laughs> dead serious. And I was like, I don't know if she knows or not. I said to me, are you allowed to wear shorts? I went, Sophie, why wouldn't it be? I'm the boss. And she went, I said, I th she says, I think mommy should know. And I said, well, mommy will find, she says, when's mommy going to, I said, mommy will find out when I walk up, like I always do. She was like, oh, you can see in her way. I said, oh, see how this one plays? Dead, dead pan, like, it's mommy now. <laughs> mommy dresses me every Sunday morning. Funny. Anyway, what was I, what am I, I'm here to preach, that's it, right? So what do you do when you find yourself in a place where you, where you don't want to be? Uh, today I want to talk to people, because I, belie I believed as I was preparing this, um, that God wants to listen to me this morning, just as you're going to receive this morning. I called this morning's talk Prison Break, because it's about Paul and a guy called Silas. And I just want to, it's, it's, like, it's a preacher's dream, this one. I mean, you, you do really hard to miss it. Do you know what I mean? In terms of what, because the text speaks for itself. But it's more than that. It's more than just going, yeah, that's a really good talk. It's, I actually believe that as the word comes, the spirit of God is ministering to you right now. Do you get that? So it's not just, Lord, yeah, help me to understand, or that's a great talk or whatever, because it will be. But it's just about actually, no, as, as, as the word goes out, what happens is the spirit moves. And there is, and as this Holy Spirit of God is moving, he's taking the word and he's breaking chains this morning. Do you get that? And so that's what you need to be open for. You need to be open to receive from the Lord this morning as his word comes, because the Spirit of the Lord wants to break you out of some prisons this morning, because the picture of a prison is an interesting one. Um, I'll get you caught up in the story for those of you who don't know what it is, but we're going to be listening to a, a story about a literal prison, like a, a, where two men go to a literal prison. But when it comes to reading the word, there's one, there's one interpretation of what the word actually means. So whenever you open the Bible, it, it, you interpret it a certain way. Right? And you have to be true to what the Bible says. You can't just make up your theology on what you want it to be. All right. So when, it, when the Bible talks about you know, th things, there's one literal interpretation, language. But then there's lots of different applications. Do you get that? So we can apply, and sometimes this is the difference, like sometimes when the Spirit of God will take a piece of Scripture and will apply it in a way which is for you for today. So when we hear literal prison, you might go, well, I'm not in a literal prison, and hopefully I won't be in a literal prison, right? At some point in my life, unless we can all agree on that would be a good thing, right? Okay, good, all right. And then, but there are lots of different kinds of prisons. There's the like, there's prisons of condemnation, of guilt, of shame, there's condemnation uh, that sits deep in our heart. There's fear. There's all sorts of things. Prisons are about a lack of freedom. You get the thing about what happens when somebody goes to prison. What, what are they deprived of? They're deprived of freedom. They're deprived of the ability to live life as it's, as it's intended to live. Prisons speak of not just a, a reduction in liberty, but a lack of hope, a lack of things closing in, and a sense of finality. Is this it? They also are a place of guilt and remorse, where it's a continual reminder of what you have done wrong, because you are in this place today because of something that was in the past. Do you get that? Prisons are never about the future. They're always about what happened in the past, and they lock you today in what happened yesterday, and they continually remind you that you are here today because you did that wrong yesterday. Do you get that? And so God wants to break that off you today because I know that sits in the heart of the church. And when the gospel of God's grace comes, it comes to bring you freedom. It comes to bring you life. It comes to go, you are set free this morning from every prison. You are set free liberty. It was for, why, why did Christ come? 
Why did Jesus come? For this reason, so that we could experience freedom. And freedom is important, all right? So shall we get into it? Um, if you do have a Bible, turn up to Acts 16, because, you know, when you find yourself, Paul and Silas, you know, it's funny that Paul and, I, I sometimes think when I read about Paul, do you know when people say, oh, when I get to heaven, who do you want to speak to and all that kind of stuff? Like, I would, some of these guys, I probably, yeah, you probably want to go here. Like, probably with Paul, I'd want to go, are you half crazy? Right? What you went through and how you just did not stop going from grace to grace is just, it's almost like I said a, a few weeks ago when I was preaching, he was no different to us. You know, he had just captured something about the grace of God which compelled him. And you're going to see it again today. And I, I want you to see the difference in, in somebody whose heart is captured by grace and how they respond when they're in a prison that they didn't want to be in. Okay, so let's read. Well, we'll read one second. Let me give you the context. Uh, when Paul and all his people arrived in Philippi, like they expected great things to happen. So Paul was excited before this, right? And uh, because, how, why was he excited? God had clearly told him to go to the city. You read that in Acts 6, uh, verse 12. And Lydia comes to the Lord and comes to faith. This is just before it, uh, the bits we're gonna read. And then, so what happens is, there's the, the, the bit of it is the Lord's blessing. In your life, you've probably felt times where you felt the Lord go, yes. You, you felt like direction from the Lord or encouragement from the Lord, yes. Okay, and you're excited because the Lord spoke and you're on the way, yes. Okay, and then all of a sudden, it all goes, right? Yeah, and you're kind of going, hold on a second. I started off with it. You know, I've had times of great excitement, times of great purpose, times of great vision. I am whoopity-doo for the Lord, right? Whoopity-doo. And what happens then is something happens. Something happens which derails. Let's read it, because this is the context of 16 through 24. You know, Paul and these guys, they're, they're doing the Lord's will. They're doing the Lord's work, but still they encounter trouble, Right? Let me tell you something. If anyone preaches grace to you and says that you will be exempt from trouble, they're not preaching the gospel. Because the gospel of grace comes to say, in trouble, Jesus said, you will have trouble, but don't be afraid. Whatever the trouble is, I have overcome it. All right? So the promise is that you are an overcomer. Whatever trouble comes your way, because we live in a, in a, in a dark and, and sinful world, in a broken world. The, the hope of glory in our hearts is that one day, yes, we will be with Jesus forever, but the whole of heaven and earth will be made new again, and we will be free from sin and death and all of its entanglements and all the mess of the world will be redone, and we will be together forever in the presence of Jesus. Not sitting playing harps, be on a new earth, but uh, believing that together we're going to enjoy the presence of God in all of its purity. Do you get that? Uh, so it means that today, though, that's why grace is such good news. Whatever your trouble is, bring it to the Lord, and he's the answer. Amen. Are you sick? Bring it to the Lord. He's your healer. Are you, are you broke? Bring it to the Lord. He's your provider. Amen. Are you depressed? Bring it to the Lord. He's your hope. Amen. You know. Are you fearful today? Bring it to the Lord, because he's your strong place. Amen. Whatever the issue is, there will be trouble, but bring it to him, and he will help you to overcome. Amen. All right? And so that's the point. So don't be disappointed if you find yourself in a place where you don't want to be. And you kind of think, I'm doing the Lord's work. Like I am praying and tithing and serving and turning up to church once every three weeks and doing my best and all that kind of stuff. And like, seriously, Lord, you, it's almost like you owe me. Like I'm doing, all my, I'm doing my bit here. And still this is going on. Let's read about what happens here. Because we'll start reading at verse 16. Uh, yeah. Once... When uh, we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit 
uh, by which she predicted the future. So this is divination, right? She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. <laughs> I mean, this is after many days, right? You know, so, like, he was obviously focused on what he was doing. And, you know, it's, you know there's this point. That we can't put those verses up, can we? Would that be all right? Okay. Okay, no problem. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. So this has been nipping at Paul's heels as he's been going around doing his stuff. But what happens here, right? Now, Paul's not doing anything wrong. You notice he didn't get distracted first. It's like some of us get way too distracted way too quickly with things that nip at our heels. Do you know why? We give them our attention. Right? There was a point where Paul went, right, I'm going to deal with this. But it wasn't the first day. Some of us are too quick to go the slightest little thing, and we're, oh, oh we're, we're, we're blown about like everything. He just kept going until the point where he's like, right, enough's enough. Lord, we're going to deal with it. And so he cast the spirit out of this girl. Now, what happens here? Uh, the spirit leaves her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews who are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Was that the truth? Is that what Paul did? No, so these people told lies, right? These people were misrepresented. Has anyone been misrepresented before? Yeah? But that, that's what happens here. Totally misrepresented, totally lied about. And so what happens is then the crowd join in. That's really funny, man. The crowd is so fickle. Like, why, why, oh, why, oh, why do we worry about what the crowd thinks? This, they think this, and they think that, and we adjust ourselves accordingly, according to what is, is, is kind of proper out there. The crowd, the, listen, the world will change like this on a sixpence. They will laud you one day and crucify you the next, and they care not one jot about it. You understand? That's why we keep our eyes on Jesus. And what does he say about us? Because I'm telling you now, see what's really cool today? Give it six months, it's going to be something different. And the people who are being celebrated today, six months from now, will probably, or six years from now, will be the ones being cancelled. And how could they ever do that? The crowd is fickle and turns. So don't build your life on the opinion of anything or anyone else other than who he is, what he says he has done, and what he says about you. Do you get me? Everything else is a road to complete disaster. And so the, the, the crowd turn and they attack Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they'd been severely flogged, okay? So this would have been cat of nine tails type stuff, not just like we, we skip around the ankles and, oh, bad boy, right? Like a ruler on the hand. <laughs> I remember that. I was telling my kids this recently. Like I, I lived in an era where you could get caned by the principal. Anyone remember that? Oh, hi, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Rotherdale. My P7 teacher. Do you know what he's, he, was a, he was a bit of an odd man, to be fair. I think he was slightly disturbed, but he would get the old ruler out and he would hold it like that. I don't know if he had a shaky hand or he was just trying to scare you, right? <laughs> and I got there, just, and he'd bring it up. And then not, but occasionally he would smack you on, right? And uh, I remember coming home and telling my dad that. And he said, well, you must have done something. I was like, well, thanks very much. <laughs> How times have changed, isn't that right? And if you didn't do something, that'll do for the next time you do do something. You're just getting it in advance, all right? 
So they attacked, they stripped them, they beat them, they flogged them. It's, it's really awful. They, they get thrown into prison and they need to go faster. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. This is an important thing because you know the jailer's going to get saved later on in the story. The, the jailers at the time, by the, the Roman jailers, uh, they were responsible for the welfare of the people that were in their care. So if, if Paul and Silas had died, um, even as a result of the flogging, then the jailer would have been killed because you weren't allowed to have people die under your care. Um, that's why the, next, the last bit of the story, um, which you might not get to, is really important. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, away from everybody else, and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, that's the first bit of the story. Let me, let me tell you, and there's three things that really stand out to me about this bit of scripture, and how grace can break you out of any prison. Because there's three things that happen. First of all, the accusation comes. Like I've said, Paul and Silas were just doing their stuff. They had heard from God. They were excited about what God had put into their life, and so they were going for it. They were sharing the good news. They were seeing people healed. They were seeing uh, the Lord move like he promised he would do. But they're falsely accused by selfish people who cared for nothing about their own gain and their own money. The, the, the men didn't care. That, like the men who, who had this wee girl, they didn't care about her. They, she was a moneymaker. Do you get that? And all, all it was was about their income. It was about their, their future and about their income. But so they didn't care. So they lie and they scheme to exact revenge on those people who they felt had screwed it up for them, basically. You get that? It's important because what happens is sometimes when there's a lie that comes, either from other people, but remember, let's lift this up spiritually this morning to see the bigger picture. When lies and accusation comes, it has an impact. Do you get that? Now, we all know what it's like to have people lie about us. Because, uh, but, so there's lying that we have to deal with where he said this and she said this and they're the other. And if you've never experienced that, lead a church for three seconds and you'll know all about it, all right? Because that's the way it happens. But what happens next is interesting. So there's, there's, this, there's this feeling of frustration, I guess. You know, do you, do you ever feel like really frustrated when, when you hear like he's there this and it's said about you and you go, that's not me? Anyone? Yeah. That's not me. I didn't do that or I didn't mean that or that's not what... Anyway, the accusation comes and who's the accuser? It's the, it's the enemy, right? So uh, the accusation might not come from people around you in your situation, but it'll come from the enemy himself because he accuses people. And what happens then is, is the accusation is one thing that leads to something else. The result of the, the accusation, they find that in the physical context here, when the accusation came, they were arrested and things started to change. The crowd turns on Paul and Silas. They were hauled into court. They were beaten and thrown into prison. I mean, they, the word cast here, when it says they were cast into prison, the actual word is they're thrown in with no concern as to where they land. And they were beaten like common criminals, right? It's interesting because what happens is when you accept a lie, right? The enemy doesn't care where it takes you as long as it destroys you. He will cast you to wherever you land. Do you get that? Without one care about it. And he's in that, but this is where Paul and Silas are in this moment. So the lie comes. The problem is they then get arrested. So there's a process of when, we, when the lie comes and we take it, and, it's, and it's, it's a, if we are subject to it, it, it starts this process of where we end up in a prison. You see, I think spiritually what the Lord is saying in this is you end up in prison because there's a lie that comes that starts a process in your life that leads you to where you, know, you don't want to be. 
Does that make sense? That's why we need the truth of grace every day. As Adam was saying, you're righteous, you're loved, you're provided for, you're healed. Because when you accept something else, you're going to end up in a place where you don't want to be. Does that make sense? Now, what's really interesting, once you find yourself there, I call this the misery of the, the accommodation, if you like. Paul and Silas are handed over to this jailer. They're in this inner prison. It was a deep, dark cell. It would have been the nastiest place you probably could have imagined. They'd have been chained. And it's not like they're sitting there like on an ice bench. They would have been probably up to their waist, at least in human waist. Do you get that? Because these things were never cleaned out, right? They would have been chained into that, thrown into it. It would have been dark, dreary, dirty, disgusting, and dangerous. And they were there for no other reason other than they were faithful and obedient to God. Now, what's really interesting here, and this is where I want to get to quickly, is whenever, whatever way you find yourself today in a place where, in a prison type situation in your life where there's a lack of liberty and a lack of freedom, either because you accepted a lie or a lie was spoken, because it can come from the hand of other people. That's true. But either way, it doesn't matter to God. Don't get wrapped up in what people have said about you or done about you or maligned you in any way. It doesn't matter. Don't put your attention onto it. Put your attention onto Jesus, okay? Because there's a point here where Paul and Silas are in the prison. And this is what I want to speak to you about. There's a wee detail later on at the very end where the magistrates actually go, oh, flip, we've made a huge mistake. Do you know why? They were Roman citizens. But as I was reading it, I, I thought this is really interesting. Because whenever I find myself in a place where I don't want to be, what am I prone to do? I'm prone to go to what I'm naturally good at to try to dig my way out. Isn't that right? That's what I'm prone to do. Paul and Silas, in one way, were sitting with a trump card. Because if they had turned around at any point and said, by the way, boys, we're Roman citizens, those magistrates were for it. Because it's exactly what Adam was saying this morning, when you, are part of, when you are part of the Roman Empire, you had all the protection of Caesar himself. And Roman citizens were not allowed to be flogged and tortured and imprisoned like that. But what's interesting to me is Paul and Silas don't look for the natural in their prison because that is going to shortchange what God is going to do in them. Do you get that? They don't look to play the card. They don't look to go, hey, I mean, I probably would, if I had been up to my waist and that stuff, I probably would have gone, here, tell you what, have you got your ID card? Have you your passport? Silas, reach in there, get my passport, flash it at that jailer. I'm, you know, get, get me out of here. You're like the jungle, you know what I mean? But he doesn't. And the Lord really spoke to me about that and said, Andrew, no matter what prison you're in, don't be tempted to go for what the world says is the natural way out of it. Because if you try to get the natural way out, you're going to miss the glory and the grace of God in seeing his supernatural release. And because the thing is, him playing the card to get himself out of it, he would have missed what God was doing and was just about to do because it was always bigger than just Paul and Silas. Do you get that? Don't, don't get wrapped up in yourself is what I'm trying to say. See, no matter how tough it is or how, or how close it fit, the walls feel to you, Right? If you are looking and scrabbling to go, God, get me out. What do I need to do? Who do I need to turn to? Where do I need to run? What do I need to change? And then stop playing your citizenship card that way. The natural. That's all it means. Stop doing it. And, and, and look at what Paul does. Because it's amazing. Is this, is this okay? Because right? this is where the freedom comes. Verse 25. Because first of all, it's like 
you might find that a prison is, feels like a place of misery, but it's not. When you bring the Lord in, it's a place of ministry. Verse 25, at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Like seriously, right? And the other prisoners were listening to them. Isn't that amazing? So they have this opportunity. They've been beaten, they've been flogged, they've been lied about, they've been accused. The, the lies that have been spoken over them have brought them to a place of imprisonment and, and tightness and lack of liberty. And in that place, they don't do anything that the world would say is the natural way out. They just turn and they start to sing to God. How bonkers is that? In one way, it makes no sense to our natural carnal minds. But the Lord doesn't work just there in our natural carnal minds. He's working deeply spiritually in us. And what, what I love about this next bit is amazing. Because in their hour of need, like, there's nobody that could really help them. So they turn to the only source of help that's readily available. They turn to God and they start to lift their hearts to him. Now, these men knew something that I think we, we need to get a handle on. They knew that the best place, the best place in a, to find help in a difficult situation is the throne of grace. They turned to the throne of grace. And from that place, in the prison, it's only as they sit and they worship at the throne of grace does the breakthrough happen. Do you get that? Such a simple word. But I think there's three things. that you know, I looked up some verses for this. There's three things. They knew this, Hebrews 4, 15, 16. Let me minister these words over you. We have, a, we have a friend who cares really deeply for us. You have a friend today. His name is Jesus, and he cares deeply about you. Hebrews 4 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It says, approach the throne of grace, right? Some of us don't approach. Some of us sit back and are passive, hedging our bets, thinking there's five other ways out of this. And the Lord says, no, boldly come to the throne of grace and receive what? You'll receive mercy, number one. That's a really interesting word for people who are in prison, right? So so oftentimes when we're in prison, we go, well, actually, Andrew, Paul and Silas, they were hard done by there, but I'm not hard done by because I know that I was wrong. I know what I did. I know what I was involved in. I know what I said. I know how I got here. And other people may have played a part of it, but I was certainly a willing participant. Anybody? And what does the Lord say? When you approach the throne of grace, what do you get? Mercy. Mercy. You don't get judgment in the house of God, you get mercy in the house of God. So come to the throne of grace and you'll find mercy. And then when you find mercy, the Lord just doesn't go, bless you, on you go. You find mercy, right? Good luck. The Lord wouldn't say good luck anyway. But do you know what I mean? Imagine if the Lord was Irish. Good luck. Get on with it. On you go. Mercy. Oh, on you go. <laughs> he, <laughs> he then goes and after you find mercy, you're going to find grace, unmerited, undeserved favor to help you in your time of need. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you. This is what the, I think this was in Paul's heart. And I'll tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. So 
Paul knew he had a friend who cared about him. He knew that he had promised to hear his prayers. And then lastly, it says in 1 John 5, 14 to 15, he promised to answer their prayers. You see, when you come to the throne of grace, right, we need to have a boldness and a confidence that says, I know that you care about me. I know that you hear me because some of us doubt that God hears because we don't see the results straight away, exactly what Adam was talking about. But also that God is answering your prayer. Now, I want to come to that in a minute. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. So as we approach God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have, we have what we asked of in him. So when you find yourself locked away, sometimes in the prison of your mind, in the prison of your heart, You'll always find a friend who cares for you, who's available for you so that you can lean into him, knowing that he's hearing every bit of what you're saying and he's willing and and moving to answer you. Amen. See, what I love about this is as they prayed and as they sang, their prison was transformed from a place of pain to a place of praise. Paul and Silas, they're singing these songs. I wonder, it must have been Days of Elijah or something, you know, like something pretty rousing. I can't imagine it was nearer my God to thee. Or, do you know what I mean? (laughs) One day at a time, sweet Jesus. What do you think they were singing? I don't know, but the the equivalent songs of the day, wouldn't it? You know, I don't know sometimes what I, you know, like, celebrate Jesus, celebrate. celebrate. It's like a, it's like a Monty Python sketch in one way, isn't it? You kind of go, these guys are in stocks and here they are worshiping away. But they were probably encouraging themselves, right? And, and, and do you know what's really interesting? Listen to me here. Listen to me here, because this is important. Actually, what happens in that moment, in the dead of night, in the darkness, in the stink and the stank, stinking place that they're in, okay? Whenever they praise, do you know what actually happens? Whenever you, in that moment, turn your eyes and you, when you approach the throne of grace, you put yourself into a place of authority. Do you hear me? In your heart, you move to a place of authority. Because how can you not, when you stand in that place, figuratively speaking, when you're receiving the truth of Jesus, when you're receiving the words that he says about you, the promises over your life, when your heart is just growing and expanding and you're saying, Lord, and you promised this and you've said this about me and as far as the east is from the west, you've removed it from me. I have screwed up and I stand in a place of mercy and, and you're starting to fill your heart. How can you not move then from fear to authority? How can you not? As he becomes bigger, as he becomes stronger, as he becomes clearer, as grace explodes in your heart, what you'll find is you will start to have a boldness and an authority to speak exactly into your situation, to speak exactly into the people around you. Instead of carring and saying, oh, Jesus, please, will you help? It'll be God, as I have approached grace and found mercy and you've become bigger, I have seen that you have overcome this. Do you get that? From what? From doing? No, from approaching from just approaching and coming close and drawing. That's what the Lord's saying over you this week. And do you know what I love about what happens now? Charles Spurgeon, actually, because I'm quite clever and I read these guys. Um, That's just total spoof, right? You just Google things and, you know, Mr. Google tells you what you need to know. But I was was thinking about this and I read Charles Spurgeon and he said this, any fool can sing in the day, right? It's easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight, But the skillful singer is he who can sing when there is not a ray of light to read by. 
Isn't that lovely? Songs, listen to these, songs in the night only come from God. They are not in the power of men. Oh man, what a quote. I want to say to this, it's like, in the, what is the Lord speaking over us, church, as we, as we receive this word this morning and in your life? He said that if you find yourself in a bitter prison this morning of disappointment, of torment, whatever it happens to be, turn to the Lord and make that place a place of praise. Because you know what God will do? He'll turn your sighing into a song. That's what he says. He'll turn your trial into a testimony. He'll turn your pain into praise. He'll take some profound heartache that you've experienced and transform it in a moment into a time of help. That's what happens when we approach grace and we praise God in a prison. Love it. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. Heck no. Some of you are going, "Ah, dead on. But you don't know what it's like for me. And you're right, I don't. But then you don't know what it's like for me either. So what are we going to do? One-up ourselves on how bad things are? Isn't that a bit of a, Nor- that's a bit of Northern Ireland sport, isn't it? You know, when p- people, <laughs> well, how are you? Well, you know what? Ooh, bad leg. Oh, well, it's really here by my knee. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, is your knee bad? I but it's my ankle. Oh, up like a balloon. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I haven't slept. I haven't slept in weeks. It's like this continual thing to outdo each other with how awful things are. Oh, you know, terrible. (laughs) I don't know what it's like for you, but he does. And here's what he, as I was, I wrestled a wee bit with this because I thought, Lord, I just want to be honest with people and go, like, this is great, Paul. Good for you. Up to your neck in it and... Praising, praising God, right? And the Lord said, well, that was his choice to do that. And his heart was captured. He, he thought, he, he chose to do it and he, he turns around and like this whole thing of approaching the throne of grace to find what I need and you know, help that I need. And the Lord brought me back to Romans 5, 2 and said, Andrew, this is an, a faith act. To turn a prison into a place of praise is an act of faith. Do you get that? Because in a prison, all you can see is what's wrong. And faith lifts your head up to that throne, to that place where Jesus is seated in full, seated in full authority, and it takes faith to do it. It takes faith to sing when all you can see is the darkness. It takes faith to declare when all you can see is the opposite. But you know what Romans 5, 2 says? It is like we access this, you know, through whom, talking about Jesus, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So in accessing the grace of God, we need to apply some faith to it. Do you get that? And some of us can't because our emotions become stronger than our trust. We go, I just don't feel it. If I felt it, I could declare it, right? Don't we do that? If you just made it better, Jesus, then I'd feel happier. And then if I felt happier... And what does Spurgeon say? Any fool can sing in the daylight. But the songs in the night, those come from God. Man. Sometimes I, I you know, like it is an act, an act of, what does faith mean? Peace is just to be convinced of, to trust God. It's like, I'm not really sure. I think we have, con- we have conflated in the church. I think we've conflated faith and emotion and got ourselves in the MS. Do you get that? 
We've got, I don't have any faith. What that really means is, or my faith is weak, Jesus. What that really means is I'm not feeling it. Anybody? That's me anyway. My faith's so low. Will you just pray that my faith feels so? Actually, what we want is pray that I feel a bit better. My emotions change. And I, I, I kind of think, I don't know what, I don't know what was going through their heart, but I know that Paul, because he wrote that book, and you know, he wrote the book of Romans, so he wrote the bit of, I access this grace through faith. I want to encourage you this week. You're going to have a time where it stinks. And in that moment, you're going to go, I either look to myself and my own credentials, or I turn to the throne of grace and trust in that moment. And, and do you know what faith looks like? Some, faith looks like being scared at times. Can I just encourage you? Faith doesn't mean you don't feel the emotions of being scared. But faith goes, I'm not going to allow those emotions to take the place of priority. Faith goes, I'm going to allow his promise to be the priority, to be the top part. So we need to stop listening less to what we feel in any given moment because it'll be up and down like a fiddler's elbow, quite frankly. Or maybe that's just me, all right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amen. That's right, isn't it? And, and listen way more to what we receive at the throne of grace. Way more. Because it's that act. And you know when, I think when the Lord sees that, he goes, yes, love it. Isn't that awesome? It's, isn't that awesome? Now, what, it, it would be something that if, um, I've got about five minutes. There's a couple of things here that I just want to finish on. It, it is an act of faith in the moment. When everything else is pressing in, what you're looking at, smelling, seeing, surrounded by. Do you know what? There would have been sore. I don't want to be too graphic here with you, but I really th thought about this to go, I get a bit, I get worked up about silly things. You know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> I, I don't want to say it, right? But I get worked up by silly things. It, it, women, par women parking, right? I've had so many things this week, okay? Or just people parking, sorry, right? I was, okay, I'll park that one. I'll give you another one. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was backing out of my drive this week, and we have big hedges because Ivan hasn't cut them, and uh, just chucking that out. <laughs> Ooh, I shouldn't use the pulpit for that, Ivan, but, you know, just saying. And... Uh, <laughs> No, even if Ivan, he does a more, the, the best person you ever could do your head, just get yourself signed up today. But the point is we've got a, we've got a big gate, right? So I, I have to sometimes back out onto a main road where we live. And this man, I had backed out my car about you know, 10 feet. No, probably half my car length, right? Or whatever. This man with a dog walking up, <laughs> almost like walks into my car. <laughs> then starts to give it all this. Right? Like, what are you doing? You're not looking where you're going and all that. Well, Penny sitting beside me. Okay. <laughs> Jesus in the passenger seat here. <laughs> right? Just feel the, pre the Shekinah glory filling the car. <laughs> and uh, I was like, you flipping, what? Banging my car with a stick or whatever. So I rolled down the window and I went, hey, boy. <laughs> I did. I'll come to exchange, grace upon grace. Have a copy of Penny's book, you'll love it. Penny was in the middle of uh, 
it's like the third verse of Days of Elijah. Oh. <laughs> and what happened? He fell to the pavement. He got saved. The dog got saved. It was unbelievable. And if you believe that, listen. <laughs> no, that didn't happen at all. I was like, hey, who are you flipping shouting at? And Penny was like, she said something that really wound me up and we had then words. She said, you're better than that. And I went, shut up, I'm not better than that. I said, what do you want me to do? I said to the guy, what do you want me to do? I can't see round corners. And he was like, oh. I said, and you walked into my car when you could see that I was clearly pulling out. You flipping idiot. Bless you. Well then, he just, uh, he, he said some words that I can't say in church and he walked off. Wee dog. And uh, <laughs> so then me and Penny have words over it. You're better than that, Andrew. Like, just say, just say he's better. <laughs> I said, Penny, like, I felt so, the, the, the injustice of it all, right? The injustice of it all. And then my beautiful wife, because she is, just then giving me grief. And I was just like, but I felt little blood pressure getting up and all. <laughs> and you know those moments, it just doesn't go, does it? Like five minutes later, you're still driving along. <laughs> It's gone deathly quiet. You know that real, we're now in the awkward phase of the conversation where I haven't quite let it go and she's just disgusted. <laughs> you know, and I want to say something, but I'm going, Jesus, one day at a time. <laughs> and I said to her, Penny, that was not my, just. And I found True story. Anyway, so I found myself getting really wound. Now, in the big scheme of things, like, what does it matter? Do you know what I mean? It's so completely silly. It's unbelievably, like, but here's these guys, right? In a place where, you know, the things that, the things that were, it was just, I, I, it's about perspective is what I'm saying, right? Because what happens in this moment is it says here that they turn from a place of ministry to themselves, right? And it becomes ministry for others. This is my last point today. And there's this power of a moment because it says the, the prisoners heard them. It says the prisoners heard them. And what it actually means is the phrase means the prisoners were listening intently. And they were listening to Paul and Silas as they prayed. They were amazed by what they were hearing. Here's these two men that have been savagely beaten carelessly thrown into an inner prison, the darkest place, and fastened down in stocks. Yet they're not moaning, they're not groaning, they're not complaining. They, they could have been. Somebody wasn't just pulled out in front of them, you know, and banged their car with a stick. It was like, this was like serious. Oh, I'm still not over it. And uh, they were praising God and singing love songs. And so what happens is this. Can I just say, there's lost people who are watching you and me as we go through these experiences. I don't think people care less, you know, for the, you know, the, the Instagram or LinkedIn superstars. I get up at 4 a.m. and go to the gym for, you know, <laughs> eat cardboard and, you know, do, do this. And, and then at 6 a.m. I start my work and mm, shut up, just shut up. It's not real. Instagram, hi. I don't think people care for, for success that much. I know. But see when things, you know what the world's really interested in? They're tuned into what do you like when things are going wrong? Because you know what? They identify in that moment because the things that are common to us all, they're looking for the answers. Do you get that? They're all just searching for Jesus. And so what happens is the prisoners listen. They hear. And they start to go, here, what's going on here? 
right? The jailer, what's going on here? This is different. We're all in this same place together. Do you get me? But you're doing it differently than what I'm doing it. Why? That's what the world is looking for. Not the superstars who are totally different. They're in the same place, but we are a people of grace who, when we're in the same place, facing the same things as everyone else, we just show it's different by approaching the throne of grace and receiving what we need. And so our song is different. And what happens is that they start to watch. And then, can I just read the last bit? Um, Suddenly, it says, because... You know, I think people are watching us. I think they're watching you to go, how do you respond when things, you know, we don't inspire people by going, oh, it's terrible, it's awful. Okay, people want answers today. And they do it, we do it by observing, don't we? Like, what's different about them? How's great, how these people are in the grip of grace? What does that mean? Right, and, and so what happens? There's this, lastly, verses 26 through 33, there's this beautiful moment. So you go from a place of pain becomes a place of ministry that becomes a place of God's moment, right? Let's just read it. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Isn't that cool? The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew a sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. He was responsible for them. But Paul shouted, don't do it, we're all here, all right? This is really interesting because obviously the jailer's family are going to get saved. Jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked them, so what must I do to be saved? They replied what? Believe. They replied, believe and you will be saved. Not kind of repent and do all this. Believe in Jesus and you will be saved, right? Turn your thinking. Get back. Anyway, and you and your household Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in that house. At that hour uh, of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and all his household were baptized. I love, look look how God uses your prison to get his glory and his name to bring other people into an experience of grace. Do you get it? Like if you lock into just what's wrong with your situation and what's going on with your situation, you're missing out on a miracle. That's what I believe that grace says to you today. There's a miracle for you. There's a mir- and it's not a miracle of your own doing and your own hand and your own credential. It's a miracle of grace where you approach and he moves. Do you get that? And people who are watching you today, people in your family who are going through the same stuff or in, or in situations that are difficult, as they watch what happens, God moves. Because it, it's, it's the majesty I put of God's power. Notice, notice the language in the verse is really interesting. Suddenly, foundations of the prison were shaken immediately. There's all action here, all right? Um, all of a sudden, God moves in power. And in one moment, the chains came down, the stocks came off, and they were free. That, I think we've got to see this again. You've got to take this story and go, Lord, in that moment when I'm approaching grace, all right? You are shaking the foundations and making breakthrough happen. Do you get that? That is a declaration of trust and faith in the power of God's grace in your life. That's what happens in the moment where they start to praise God moves. And some of us have lost that through disappointment, so we're still locked in the prison. But the Lord comes again to you today and says, what are you going to do? What are you, where are you going to turn? Because in, in this moment, whether you recognize it or not, there is a place of power available for you, even though it looks like a prison. 
God may change it straight away as he did for like the disciples on the ship in John 6 or whatever. Uh, or he, it might take some time. He knows the pressure that you're under. He knows about the horrors of the prison. He knows how to set you free. And he says, at the right time, at the right moment, I will shake the foundations of this prison and you will walk free, you and everyone else with you. Amen. Somebody give me an amen this morning. Amen. I love this. The last point is this. They were made free while they were still in the prison. You get that? They were made free while they were still in the prison. I'm kind of just backing up on the same point, but I think it's a good one. And with this, I am finished. The act of faith the declaration of faith and trust in the Lord is to say at this moment as I turn and I sing and I make Jesus bigger and I make him higher when I declare grace and I come through in that moment you moved and you shook. Now what's interesting for Paul is the physical surroundings haven't changed but in the inside he was free. You get that? Now if Paul had looked for the he could have run out there but he stayed. It's interesting he stayed there to go, do you know what? This boy's going to get saved, him and all his household. I guess what I'm going to try to say is this. It all depends what you're looking at, doesn't it? What are you going to give your attention to this week? Because when you prayed and you came close and you declared grace, God moved. I believe that. See it in the ministry of Jesus every time. But the problem is when we don't see the prison walls, okay, change, we go, he didn't move. He did move. You were set free in that moment, once and for all and forever. And you'll walk out of it. You will walk out of it. That's the promise of God to you today. Because when God takes a place, a prison place, he turns it into a place of praise and he turns it into a place of majesty. And you'll walk out free as a bird. Somebody say amen. amen. Are you encouraged this morning? Has the word encouraged you? Yeah? But you know what? Let's get the, the guys up for worship. Stand on your feet. And because um, you've been sitting for a while, we're going to sing a song to finish, sing a worship song. Thanks, man. Just close your eyes for a moment and... Um, If you have something going on, if there's, do you know what? Just put your hands out and receive from the Lord, okay? He's here right now. The Spirit of the Lord is ministering. Holy Spirit, I thank you that in this place you're ministering and you're moving. I thank you, Father, that you are breaking down the walls. Jesus, I thank you that even though some of us might feel like we're, it's not a great place, it's not, you know, whether it's a mental thing or a physical thing. I thank you, Jesus, right now that we can lift our heads and our hearts up and approach your throne of grace because we're no longer slaves. We're no longer captives. It was for freedom that Christ came. And so, Father, I pray that right now in Jesus' name. If you pray in the Spirit, just start to pray. 
let the, the Spirit of the Lord release your heart today as you approach Jesus. Approaching Jesus just means I turn my attention to him. I turn my attention to the one who gave it all, to the King of Kings, the one who stands over every situation today, over every circumstance. And Lord, we believe. And because we believe, we are saved. And you keep saving us, Lord, on the basis that we believe, not on the basis of what we do. And so, Father, we thank you and we receive today grace upon grace. We've sung about it, Lord, but I speak your unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor over your people, over your church, over Tom and the guys in the U.S., over everyone who's listening right now. I just pray the favor and the blessing of God the grace of God to fill you and overwhelm you, the mercy of God to so captivate you today. I pray, Father, in this place that change would be broken. Yes. Father, that lives would be set free in this place from sickness and depression. Lord, from a lack of hope, from financial brokenness, every curse has been removed from your people, God. And we stand this morning knowing as we declare and sing, make Jesus bigger that you are breaking and moving in every situation. Amen. So Lord, we come close to you and we receive all that we need in our time of need and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sustaining me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for giving me hope and a future. Thank you, Jesus. We receive all that we need. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.